Hey, Rue. Yeah, Daddy? You want to do a podcast with me? You want to do a podcast with me? Nothing can keep us apart. Nothing in this world. You and I, we were meant to be together. Welcome to Rue and the Preacher Dad. We're a preteen. That's you. And her pastor dad. That's me. Talk with each other about big stuff and the little things that matter. On this episode, we spend some time introducing ourselves, talking about our likes, our dislikes, and even some of our fears. So, you ready to talk it out, Rue? Are you ready to listen? Always. Hey everybody, this is Rue. And this is the Preacher Dad. And we're really excited about starting this podcast. We have such great conversations with each other, at least we think so. Yeah. And so we thought we would share them with you. And um, for you to kind of get into this with us, we thought we'd spend this first episode just introducing ourselves to you. We want you to get to know us a little bit. Um, and also to talk about this really unique relationship that we have, because with me being a pastor... Ruthie is what they call a PK. What is a PK, Rue? Pastor's kid. You know it. So I would like to introduce you to Rue. So Ruthie, she's 11 years old. She does all kinds of stuff like in the summer. She swims for the Brian Barracudas. She does Taekwondo year-round. She takes piano lessons. She just started taking violin. Yes, I did. That's a whole new world for us. (laughs) she's a girl scout and she dances that was one of the big things you wanted me to share right yes you love music you never stop singing i love that about you (laughs) she sings constantly yeah she's pretty incredible so there's just a few things what do you got rue okay so this is daniel my dad daniel i haven't heard that i haven't heard that name since long before you were born (laughs) a little star wars reference because you're wearing your star wars shirt Mm mm-hmm and he, along with being my dad, he's also my pastor, hmm. and he's a really good pastor. Yeah. And he's also running a marathon later this... <laughs> yeah, year. not like currently. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's training for a marathon. I am. It's brutal. It is brutal. You don't even know. It is brutal. I never thought that I would be running. I never ran in my past, but I mm-hmm. just discovered running the last few years and uh, going to try to do a full marathon in October. I remember the first time you did a half marathon, you couldn't feel your legs for a few days. So <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what this is going to do to you. Yeah, thanks for the reminder and encouragement there. All right. <laughs> That's good. So Ruthie, you love Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, I do. Tell me about that. Well... <clears throat> she's really funny and um but the only thing is i have never watched one of her full shows because we don't have cable oh right um so i just watch clips of her on youtube which is sad how's that so. sad well because I, I mean i've never watched one of her full shows yeah that is kind of weird that you and your brother just watch youtube clips all day and it's not like when I was a kid where you watch a full episode of a TV show 
commercials and all, whether you like it or not, that's <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine like y'all didn't complain about it because like it's normal and you have no choice. So. Yeah. Now, if YouTube existed then <laughs> and we knew about it, we would complain plenty. Yeah. Tell me about stuff that really makes you happy. Um, my cat and my dog are the sweetest. Well, I can't, I can't <laughs> say that Frankie is the sweetest, but Amelia is the sweetest dog ever. So which is which? You, you gave us their names. Which is which? Frankie is my cat, and she's named after Aretha Franklin. And Amelia is my dog named after my middle name. So your kitty and your puppy bring you joy. Yes. And you also, I forgot to share this, you also um, volunteer, right? Yes, I volunteer at the Aguilan Humane Society, and it's awesome because I get to spend my day with kittens and puppies. Very cool. Yeah. Tell me about something that, annoys you or frustrates you um (laughs) um well we're having work done on your house on our house as you know and so um yesterday and today they the they um are replacing our roof right now and so i was woken up at 7 a.m by It's, it's it's more like <laughs> they're replacing the roof. We had a bad hailstorm in our community several months back, and we're finally getting the roof replaced. So yeah, that's lots of fun. Yeah. So for this first podcast, we were hoping to record it just at our breakfast table in our kitchen, but you wouldn't be able to hear us. We'd be yelling. It's like <laughs> a war zone. So we're here in a classroom at the church recording. Tell me about something that makes you sad. You were sharing something with me about that today. Um, well, I was telling you, you were talking about how you didn't like that, that families were being separated at the border and they haven't been reunited yet. But, um, I was saying that, um, people are waiting in line, waiting, like they have a line and at the border and they're talking about at the Texas, Mexico border. Yes. They're waiting for a, uh, for asylum and, I, it's, it's, it's sad that they're, they have to, they have to be, uh, waiting at the border, but what I don't like is that they have, that, that they are waiting for asylum at all. They don't feel safe in their country anymore, and they're waiting for asylum now, so. So you're not just sad by the conditions that, um women and men and children are enduring at the border while they present themselves for asylum, but you're also sad about the factors that led them, them there, there in the first place. Yeah. Do you know what some of those factors are? I remember you were telling me stories, how you went down there and you tell, told me story, you talked to people, um, and about how they got there. Like people were, um, being threatened, and they had to leave their home, and it's just sad that they can't get somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got a big heart, and it's tough to figure out what to do with the things that make us sad sometimes, right? Right. So how do you deal with that? I mean, when you're when you get sometimes you get overwhelmed with being sad. And I have a tough time trying to console you to make you feel better. I mean, how do you snap out of that? I mean, what makes you feel better? Well, 
if I try to stop thinking about it and distract myself with something happy, like my family, um, talking to to talking to my friends about something happy, um, or playing with my dog or something like that, that kind of snaps me out of it. But you can't really just forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think about the fact that I'm living here in this house with food and stuff and people out there, like, they need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you some questions, though. Okay. Okay. So, what do you like to do in your spare time, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you happy? So, what do I like to do in my spare time? Mm-hmm. First of all, I have to kind of create spare time because... Yeah. You know this. Mm-hmm. I should ask you more about this than talk about it for myself. But being a pastor with one of these things called smartphones in my pocket, <laughs> it's it can be a nonstop vocation, mm-hmm. um, good, bad, and otherwise. But I have to carve out time because, you know, if my well isn't full, then I can't be trying to fill other people's cup and help them out. So yeah, but what I like to do in my spare time, I like to play guitar, I like to hang out with my family, I like to read, I like to reach out to friends that mm-hmm. I don't get to see all the time. Yeah. Because maintaining relationships with people that you love, people that bring you life is, it's not only important, but it's hard work the older you get. Okay, so... This question is kind of weird. It was, what was your living con- experience like in college? And the only reason that <laughs> I have that is because you have told me a story about one of your roommates. So, and I really want to hear it again. So Ruthie wanted to hear the story. Okay. My living conditions in, in college, th- there were a few of them. But what she's getting at is when I first moved out of the house, I lived in an apartment in a kind of sketchy part of Austin. And I drove through it recently, and it's still kind of sketchy. It's still sketchy. Yeah. But I lived there, and my roommate, his name was Thad. He's a really cool guy. We're still really good friends. He's three years older than me, and we found this super cheap apartment. But Thad always had these kind of these kind of harebrained schemes, and one of them was that he wanted to get free Taco Bell for life (laughs) and so he said okay dan here's what we're gonna do we're going to save all of our taco bell wrappers in these garbage in these garbage bags in the corner of the living room (laughs) which is basically the corner of this one room where we lived yeah um and then when they're when it's full these bags we're gonna dump it on the ground and i'm gonna lay in it like making snow angels in the Taco Bell wrappers and you're going to take a picture of it. We're going to send it to the corporate office and they're going to be so impressed with our devotion to their product that they're going to give me free Taco Bell for life. <laughs> and we got one quarter of one bag full before the whole house just started smelling Dude. like just rancid Taco Bell and we got rid of that yeah. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, love you Thad. Those were good <laughs> days. Yeah, that's that's a funny story. <laughs> Okay. Do you ever wish you had a different job? 
That's a tough question. I had a mentor when I was first starting to pursue ministry and, and becoming an ordained minister. And they said, is there anything else that you want to do with your life? Because if there's anything else that you feel like you could do with your life that you really want to do, you should do that because ministry is just a peculiar thing. (laughs) It's not that it's, I don't want to say that it's tougher than any other job. You know, every job has its challenges, but it's just such a peculiar job that um, people who accept that calling or live into that calling it's, um, I don't know. In ministry, I see people at their best and I see people at their worst. I get to be with people when they're experiencing the highest joys in their life and when they're going through the toughest pain and anguish in their life and everything in between. And when I am, when I am in those moments... I'm just in awe of the fact that I have the privilege, frankly, to be in that position as challenging as it can be sometimes. And I'm reminded of that whenever I think of what else I could be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Sometimes I have a really bad day or a really bad week and I you know, get stressed out and, and go, ah, oh, I wish that I could have a job where I don't take my work home with me or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could be doing something else. But then I come to my senses, I come out of that and I go, no, why would I want to do anything else when I can be living into this? It's, it's, like, it's like these two ministers who wrote a book, they, they, titled it, uh, they titled it This Odd and Wondrous Calling. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do is talk with you about being a PK. Okay. All right. I was talking about how it's a peculiar vocation being a minister. It's also a peculiar identity being the child of a pastor, right? Yeah, not as hard and stressful, but you know, it's it's still unique. <laughs> <laughs> so when when did you when did it first occur to you that you were the child of a pastor. I can't really remember. Probably because I knew it a long time ago. So I think I feel like I've always known that I was a pastor's kid. I just didn't know like how important. I I didn't realize at that point that it was so important. I guess another way to ask is, um, rather than thinking about whether it's important or not, is when did you first say to yourself like wow i'm really fortunate to be um, a pastor because it, it's 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 good and bad right so just first the good stuff i mean when uh, did when did what are some things that you can remember where you went wow i uh, um sometimes this is a good thing yeah sometimes people notice that i am a pk and they're kind of and so i'm talking to them about it and I realized that it's not a very common thing. But I also really love when I run into people who are like, oh, my father is a pastor or like my grandfather is a pastor or something like that. Because I feel like 
I'm not like the only one. So quick tangent. When you've said this to me before, you always talk about my dad as a, when you talk to other people, right. Who happen to have pastors in their family, you say, yeah, your friends say, yeah, my dad is a pastor or my grandfather is a pastor. Any of them women? I never run into people who say that their mother, grandmother, or aunt, or anyone says that. And I just now notice when you said that, it's unfortunate that that's not very common mm-hmm. with people that I meet. I mean, but is it is it uncommon in your own experience? It seems like you have been around plenty of women who are pastors mm-hmm. and priests. Yeah. I, Well, yeah, I have. It's just not many people that I meet right. say like my mother or my grandmother or my aunt or something like that is a pastor. Right. They right. always say their father or their grandfather or something. Right. right. <laughs> so another thing that I was thinking about where I consider you to be so fortunate in being a PK is with your church family at Friends Congregational Church because a week ago you had to go to the hospital Yes, I did. I don't think it was a week ago, though. It was a little bit more than that. I feel like it was two weeks. So why'd you have to go to the hospital? Um, I was at this camp called YAP, which is short for uh, the Youth Adventure Program. And I was almost all the way through the week. But on Thursday night, I woke up with um, a stomach, a really bad stomach ache. Um, and we have this camp mom, quote unquote. And so... Whenever you feel bad or you need anything, you just go to her room and you can always just walk in and tell her what's wrong. Um, and so uh, she was so nice as to let me lay down in her bed and she just rubbed my stomach. And she stepped away for just a second and I, and I uh, sat up and just act, like threw up on her bed. Mm. And so I went home. I called my mom and I went home and... Um, that night I was just throwing up and I finally went to sleep in my own bed and I woke up and I was fine. Um, and I had had like a bad headache through like all of that. Um, so I woke up and it was fine, but I think it was on Saturday I was sitting on the couch just watching TV and and mommy sat down and I, and I felt weird like, um, I was uneasy, and I felt her hand, and my hands were, like, numb. I couldn't, f- like, it felt weird to d- feel her hand. And so I stood up, and I felt wobbly. And I was also, what was that word you used when I was, when I, I was saying that. You were confused. Yeah. Um, she put one of my shoes on my feet, and she told me to put the other one on. And I didn't. I just didn't think to do it. And then when we walked to the car, I got in, and... She was like, Ruthie, you have to put your seatbelt on. And I didn't even think about that. I didn't think to put it on. So I, I had a headache that whole time. They put they they gave me an IV. They did some x-rays. They took blood and stuff. And they said it was a migraine because I had such a bad headache. And so a few a, a few days later, I went to the pediatrician, my doctor, and... She said it was this thing called the enterovirus because it has all those symptoms. She said I could I could have like had a migraine during all the symptoms, but it was probably an intro the enterovirus. So yeah. 
That was a bad experience. The whole time that you were sick and we were worried about you, Mm -hmm. I got worried that you were going to the hospital when I was trying to lead a leadership retreat Mm -hmm. for the committee chairs and other servant leaders in our congregation. So I needed to be focused on what was happening. But of course, at the front of my mind was, I was so worried about you. And a lot of it is because I always go to the worst place when it comes to you being sick. And with the symptoms that you were exhibiting, I thought about this other kid in our congregation who, when he was about your age, a little bit older than you, he was rushed to the hospital with the same symptoms. And they said, you need to go to MD Anderson. And they found out that he had a uh, tumor in his brain and they had to operate immediately. And he's fortunate to be alive and uh, doing really well. Spencer, mm-hmm. amazing guy. Yeah. But that's where, that's what I was worried about. And I only told a couple few people kind of off to the side that I was worried and what was going on with you. And immediately, uh, everyone started praying for you and expressing their concern for you. And after we started getting answers that, you know, it's probably migraines, then, then people started reaching out and, and giving all kinds of advice about things that you could do to try to monitor your migraines and, um, and, and try to take good care of yourself just to be, an, be anticipating them and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying that one of the other fortunate things about being a pastor's kid is that you're so incredibly loved. Yeah. I mean, our church, I'm not trying to oversell our congregation, (laughs) but, but our church is so good to each other. They take such great care of each other, but I am so fortunate that they love my kids the way that they do. Yeah. And the kids in this congregation, not just me and my brother, are loved so much. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So um, when have you felt like it's it's not fun being a pastor's kid? It's not some... Well, I don't like it when you're stressed out. Because when people are stressed out, then I'm stressed out. Because I don't want them to, like, bring me into it or something like that. It's not so much that they'll bring me into it. It just stresses me out when they're stressed out. I have to, like, leave the room and stuff. But another thing is, it's not it's not so much that it's bad. It's just it gets tiring as when um, people are, a lot of people are talking to me. Sometimes I just need a break. Mm. Um, that's why, like... Um, <coughs> My, my friend Grace from the church, I, may, I mainly just want to hang out with her. And we just, like, go to the back and talk or something like that. And monopolize my office and close the door so I can't get in there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but when if she has to leave immediately, I'm, I mainly just try to, like, go in your office or, like, talk to you or mommy or someone. I don't know. Because you told me before you think that you're an introvert, right? I, I feel like I'm an introvert. I don't... I don't know for sure. It's just that I I do need a break sometimes. So you love talking to people. You love the attention that you get. You love interacting with people, but you need to recharge your batteries. Yeah, basically. What's something else about being a pastor's kid that makes you worry? Uh, um, I think a few years ago, you told me you were talking during your sermon about the, there are so many shootings 
around our country, and there was that shooting at the mosque and stuff, and they were just praying, weren't they? Right. Yeah. And so I'm afraid that since we take so much action when it comes to the community, like protests and stuff like that, that I'm worried that sometimes like we're, we'll be in the middle of a service and someone will come in with a gun and just start shooting. It just scares me sometimes. So one of the other things that you enjoy about being a pastor's kid is you were telling me that you like coming along with me sometimes. Yeah. If you go to like a, like to just to talk to people, get lunch with them or something, I just like meeting them. Even if it's at a hospital? Yeah. It depends on why we're going to the hospital, but I, 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 I like being there for people and just trying to make them feel better. Yeah. Like one time recently when we were at the hospital, the person that we were sitting with was saying, yeah, they, they were commenting on you coming along with me. And you said, yeah, next time I'd like to come when, you know, someone's having a baby. <laughs> I want to make one of those baby visits that you make. <laughs> those are the best. Mm-hmm. That's one of the perks of the job. One of the many. Yeah. I wanted to ask you one more thing. Do you ever wish that I did something else for a living? Um, sometimes I wish that certain parts of your job were different so that it would be easier for you. Um, but I love our church family, and I love what you do, and it's just... Why do you love what I do? Because you change so many people's lives. So do you. Thanks for talking to me, Rue. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for talking with me. Nothing can keep us apart. Nothing in this world. Cause you and I, we were meant to be together. Nothing can keep me away. I'm standing by your side. Cause we are invincible.